Well, I guess after a week away, I'm out of practice. I had uh, put two slides, as you all saw, two slides in that last song and didn't tell Linda, uh, didn't update Linda with the sheet I sent her. So uh, thank you all for, uh, for your, your good participation there. And also last week, uh, while we were away, like I said, we had a, a good trip. We're praying for you last week at this time, and uh, know you had a good service together uh, as you gathered. So, we are back together, though, and glad to be. Well, we will be turning to the 8th chapter of Luke's Gospel. If you'd like to, I do have it up on the screen, or we'll have it up on the screen here in just a moment. Lord, as we read your word, we pray that uh, you would speak clearly to our hearts. <laughs> we pray that... Uh, where conviction needs to occur at wood, where there needs to be a sense of uh, hope and grace, uh, that would be present as well. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. From the 26th verse of uh, the 8th chapter of Luke's Gospel, Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee, when Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in the house, but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him, he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Sorry. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to, to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. May the Lord bless the hearing and reading of his word. The Bureau of Justice, federal entity, keeps careful statistics regarding many different types of crime. And I was researching one specifically in light of my focus this morning. I found that published last April, because of the type of crime it is, it is several years 
late. The statistics published in April of 2021 actually have to do with the year 2018. 9%, 9% of U.S. residents over the age of 16 were victims of this particular crime. If my math is right, that amounts to about 33 million people. Monetary losses associated with this crime totaled $15.1 billion. The crime is identity theft, which is defined by the Bureau of Justice as the attempted or, select or successful misuse of an existing debit credit account, misuse of personal information to open new accounts, or using personal information to obtain government benefits unlawfully. Obviously, a huge issue in our country and throughout the world, really. In response to this, though, there has been a huge increase in services to protect an individual's identity. I would guess 25, 30 years ago, that market was completely untapped. But as we've moved to more electronic uh, business uh, uh, exchanges, in terms of something as simple as paying your bills, who would have thought that we could pay the Board of Public Utilities, for instance, or even file taxes so much online? Not only do the services that protect individuals' identity uh, do so in kind of a preventative way, but they also pledge a restorative ability that if, if somehow your identity becomes compromised, they will assist in restoring identity, identities of victims of this crime. While the gospel this morning offers a somewhat nuanced story and one that is difficult for us, I think, to fully comprehend and maybe how, how a, a modern uh, diagnosis would be given, even for a man that displayed some of the characteristics that this one did, I think at its core, it speaks about the restoration of identity. From the outset, within the setting of the story, identity is a key factor. Luke opens up by pointing out Jesus' location, that he crossed the Sea of Galilee and entered the land of the Gerasenes. He not only crossed a sea, he crossed a major boundary in that trek. The land of the Gerasenes is the land of the Gentiles. To willfully enter this territory would make a Jewish rabbi, as Jesus was at this point in his ministry, pretty suspect. What is this guy doing going over into this land and, and by so doing, making himself ritually unclean? When he arrives, Jesus and his followers that are traveling with him are immediately confronted by a man whose existence was a terrifying identity for all those who encountered him. The scripture says that this troubled man could not be guarded. Shackles that they used to, to try to contain him would always end up useless. He would break free and run out into the wild or into the desert again. The man who Luke does not name lived among 
the tombs. Maybe literally, but at least figuratively, Luke is saying that he lived among the dead, that everything about this man, though physically alive, was spiritually dead. After his interaction with Jesus, though, after his interaction with Jesus, he was healed. And this man's identity was fully restored. The, hurt, the demons that had invaded him were banished to a herd of pigs who were quickly driven crazy and drowned themselves. Now, prior to the exorcism, in verse 30, Jesus has a conversation with the man. Verse 30 specifically reads, Jesus asked him, what is your name? And his answer was, Legion. And Luke offers the narratives that he called himself that because of the large number of demons that he was battling within. He offers no name. He offers no identity as given by his mother and father. No identity left except for that which he is captive to. Rather than Frank or Jim or John or Isaac, he has become completely defined by that which holds him captive. Legion. His identity is that which robs him of job and joy and health and and hinders him by preventing him from experiencing abundant life or even life within the community that he had once lived. I think elements of this story seem distant. It's difficult for us, I think, to fully explain hordes of demons possessing a man and an innocent herd of pigs being sacrificed as a result of one man's deliverance. But we're likely closer to, that, to this account than we may first think. I wonder if we too sometimes are tempted to define ourselves by setbacks or disappointments or even failures. Not always, but too often we allow these things to rob us of the life that God wants us to experience and to share. Those times we want to risk being a bit vulnerable, but are hunted by failure or disappointment that we've experienced in our past. And soon our identities, who we identify as, gets intertwined with failures or sins or vices to the point that we identify as those very things. Divorcee. Addict. Thief. The list could go on and on. To the point that we too, in our moments of quietness, may see or sense that we sometimes identify as legions. Most of the time in the Gospels, a miracle or a restoration or healing is a good public relations move for Jesus. Think of the feeding of the 5,000 and how all of a sudden he had a crowd wanting to go with him everywhere. Oh, here's our meal ticket. 
restore the tomb dweller and you would think the approval rating goes up, right? Wrong. Sometimes this man, though never named in scripture except legion, sometimes he's called the Gerasene demoniac. The demoniac was no longer. He was cured. He was clothed and in his right mind and twice it says that the townspeople were afraid as a result. Probably their fear had to do with economic concern. Herd of pigs that they were going to grow and eventually butcher and sell were gone. Drowned. The bottom of the sea. So Jesus returns to the boat, prepared to sail back, back to Galilee. Almost in retrospect, Luke tells readers that this restored man, as Jesus is presumably in the boat, this restored man begs Jesus, let me come with you. I mean, what a what an opening act, right? Jesus is getting ready to, to speak, to have this guy come up and, and, and kind of warm the crowd up. You know, hey, I was the guy who's out without clothes in the tombs, and look at me now because of what Jesus has done. And, and then uh, let me bring out Jesus the rabbi, and he'll tell you about the kingdom. The disciples, no doubt, were scooting over in the boat, trying to give him room. And think of it, Jesus said to those disciples that he called, follow me, come with me. But he didn't say that to the recently restored man. Instead, Jesus gives the man, at the same time, a new identity and a new task. Did you catch that? Verse 39, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. No longer was he the naked, tomb-dwelling demoniac. He was a living, breathing teller of the story about the day his whole world was changed. Jesus could do just about anything. I'm not sure after he ruined the economy of the at least one garrison when he let the pigs run off the edge of the cliff into the sea. I'm not sure that Jesus was the right man, if I can be so bold. I'm not sure Jesus was the right man to spread the, the, the word of the kingdom to the garrisons. You know who was, though? The man whose life would serve as evidence of Jesus' power from that day forth. That man became a professional storyteller. And his story was his own. Jonah and I were watching earlier this week a Zoom uh, production where they sat down with Mike Matheny, the current coach of the Royals. And as they opened up the discussion with him, they were sitting on a stage on two stools and kind of the host and Matheny. And he said to Coach Matheny, the host says, Mike, tell us your story. 
And he explained that he grew up in a, in a home with two parents in Ohio, and he was part of the Wesleyan uh, denomination. And uh, I think eventually he was part of the Wesleyan denomination. At first, I think he said Independent Baptist. And, and he, he, he recounted as a, as a young guy focused on baseball and, and, and athletics and, and eventually going off to college, and the chaplain of the baseball team said, Mike, what have you done with Jesus? Not what have your mom and dad done with Jesus or your brothers and sisters. What have you done with Jesus? Mike Matheny realized that he was being called to join the story. To allow the Lord Jesus to become the primary focus of his whole life. I thought the introductory, introductory question was so interesting. Tell me your story. We, too, need to be reminded this morning of our true identities, that we are simply storytellers. Right where we are, we are called to declare what Jesus has done for us. May we be faithful in telling his story, which is also our story. Amen.